All right, welcome to the Sons of Fantasy Football League podcast. I'm your host, the Denver Desert Dog, Matt Kozlowski, and we are talking week 11 in the Sons of Fantasy Football League. Joining me tonight while we watch Russ Cook from the Sea Wolves, Mr. Phil Bruce. How's it going, Phil? All fired up. This is uh, game of the year here tonight. Uh, at least one of them. My wife didn't understand why I, I couldn't watch SVU, and I said, this is it, honey. This is the one of maybe six or seven games throughout the NFL season you really want to watch. So, great game tonight. Great matchups this week in fantasy. Things are on the up and up. Yeah, hopefully there will be more points scored in this game tonight than take your ball and go home scored last week in their outing. Um, from take your ball and go home, that disappointing, what, 43-point effort is Shane Stein. Hey, great to be here, Matt. I think we set a league low last week. <laughs> uh, we, we, officially, we officially took our ball and went home last week. Uh, Cinderella, <laughs> Cinderella turned into a pumpkin <laughs> last week. Uh, kind of felt unfair. Someone actually put up some points against me. I was hoping to eke out another 65-60 to 60 win, but wasn't in the cards. It was looking like you had a chance about halfway through the 1 o'clock games. Yeah, early on it was it was a typical teabag match. And, Here's uh, something you, you, you might off. find interesting here. So speaking of not allowing points against Shane, Shane has allowed on defense just under 1,000 points this year. There's only two teams that have allowed less. Do you know which those two teams are? Pretty sure one's Fegley? Uh, no. Um, I want to say, say Tyler's allowed a lot, uh, not a lot. Tyler is correct, but you know who the other one is? Uh, I would guess... I know it's not the Desert Dogs, because we got to hear about how unlucky he is every week. That's correct. It's not well, me. He, he would have mentioned that seven or eight times. Yeah. Right so, it's actually Papa Cause, which is so interesting because he has the highest... He, he's leading in points has given up the fewest amount but is only six and four that's just it's crazy how that has shaken out in his schedule is my point that's an interesting nugget um you know i've always been a theory if you're the highest scoring team that means that you play against teams that don't score as much as you so that's always been my (laughs) my theory but um i was I, i thought it was more interesting that he was six and four yeah like, how, how shitty is that? Well, he had the really bad loss to me in week nine, where he scored 136. And I think uh, he had... A, yeah, th- that was bad. I think uh, I think Shane had a monster week I, against I him, too. I had a monster too. week against him early in the season as well. Yeah. Um, but yes, Papakaz did take the points lead uh, last week, so that's going to be an interesting race to follow. Um, but I think let's get right into trivia here, because I think we have a lot to talk about tonight. All right, got two questions for you. Let's get rolling. Um, leading up to this game, I thought it was interesting. I was like, oh, we're getting Kyler versus Russ, two guys in the MVP race, two guys that are looking to lead fantasy football in scoring. So I kind of wanted to take a look back, and I went back for the past five seasons. There are 14 players that led their position, either quarterback, running back, or wide receiver, 
in fantasy points scored for the season. So we're going from 2015 through 2019. Now the caveat is these, these were four passing touchdowns. I couldn't find any six passing touchdown leaderboards. So it was four pass, four point passing touchdowns for quarterbacks. So I don't know that that changes much, but it changes a little bit, I guess. Um, so I'm looking for the 14 players that were the top at their position in the past five years. Fantasy football. Give me, give me the man who haunts my dreams. Uh, Todd Arthritis Gurley. Uh, Gurley is the only one that's on this list twice. He was the leading running back in 2017 and 2018. Um, both years that the Desert Dogs won the title too, so it's always a good thing to note. Um, I'll take a, a quarterback. I will go with last year's top scorer, Mr. Lamar Jackson. That is correct. Lamar was the top quarterback 2019. Give me the year before Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes was the top quarterback 2018. And I will take the 2017 quarterback, which I believe was Russell Wilson. It was Russell Wilson, 2017. He was on that Desert Dogs 2017 title team. I don't know I don't know who the 2016 was. <laughs> um, so I'm going to switch it and go to wide receiver and say... Gentleman by the name of, uh, and I saw him on a milk carton this morning, uh, Michael Thomas. <laughs> Lock it, touchdown, let's go! <laughs> Michael Thomas is correct, he was the top receiver last year, 2019. Uh, the top running back last year was Christian McCaffrey. That is correct, C-Mac was top running back last year. Teddy here in there. What'd you say? Julio Jones. Julio Jones is incorrect. He is not on God this list. Damn it. I made it more than I normally do. That's tough. Hard to believe that he's not the top. I will venture a guess that Antonio Brown is on this list. Antonio Brown is on the list. He was <laughs> the top receiver in 2015. Last. Oh, I missed the extra point. Uh, I'll say Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill is on the list. He was the top receiver in 2018. Whew. All right, this is getting getting tough now. Um, this is might be a bad guess. Um, twenty fifteen top quarterback. I'm gonna say is Cameron Newton. It's a great pull. It was a great season for Cam Newton in 2015. He was the MVP. He was the top quarterback that year, leading the Panthers to the Super Bowl. Oh, man. What other wide receivers? If you think back into league history, that would probably help you with uh, some of the remaining names on this. This list. There's a very specific reason that one of our teams won the league in one of the years. I said the Julio thing for Chris Carson. 
right. What, what, can you tell us what years we're missing again? So right now you're missing 16. the receiver in 2017, and you're missing all of 2016, and you're missing the running back in 2015. We're missing the 16 running back, too, I think. Yeah, all, all of 2016. Oh, yeah, missing. gotcha. Sixteen quarterback, I think, was Aaron Rodgers. That is correct. Aaron Rodgers got himself a fantasy Super Bowl ring that year. He was the top quarterback. And I think I have the top receiver from that year, too. I'm going to say Jordy Nelson. Yeah. Jordy Nelson was the top receiver. Spears locked it down 2016 with the Rodgers and Nelson combo. Um, it was huge for him. I'm going to say Ezekiel Elliott's on this list. Zeke's not on the list. No. He was not the running back Damn. in either of those years. So we need the 17 receiver and the 15 and 16 running backs. Um, That's correct. Mm. If you could look at this game tonight, to give you some clues for some of the answers. Fitzgerald was not on this list. But DeAndre Hopkins is. But DeAndre Hopkins is. He was the top receiver in 2017. Wow. And looking at this game could also help you in a way for one of the names on this list. Not necessarily in this game, but one of the teams playing. Oh. Oh, my God. David Johnson. David Johnson was the top running back in fantasy in 2016. Playing with the Cardinals. In 2015, top running back. This is the toughest one probably on the list. He is still rostered in our league. I think it's Le'Veon Bell. It is not Le'Veon Bell. Ah. He is a member of T-Bag. He's on the IR. He was a huge, huge free agent pickup. Mr. Devontae. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Back in 15. I would not have gotten that. I almost, I almost said Le'Veon Bell, but every year he was superb. He was second to Gurley. So, guys did a nice job there. Um, we'll hop right into the second one. We'll go quick here. Continuing with our theme every week. Maybe you guys did some studying up. We're going to go Seattle, Arizona, running back history. There have been... I'm going to give you one name on the list because it's... I highly doubt any of you would remember this name. I would not. So, LaRod Stevens Howling led the Arizona Cardinals in rushing in 2012. But there are 13 other players that led these franchises in the 2010s for rushing in a season. Can you name them? Give me Andre Ellington. That's a great poll. Andre Ellington led the Cardinals in 2014. <clears throat> well, I'll take uh, David Johnson. 
Cardinals in 2018 and 2016. I'll uh, I'll take the layup in Marshawn Lynch. Marshawn Lynch, beast mode, led the Seahawks from 2010 to 2014. Chris Carson? Chris Carson, guy's a good football player. <laughs> led the Seahawks in 2018 and 2019. I'm going to take CJ2K. CJ2K did lead the Cardinals. It was in 2015. All right. Um, I think Kenyon Drake led the Cardinals last year. Kenyon Drake did lead the Cardinals in 2019. <clears throat> wow, really? That's correct. Halfway... Didn't he come over, or was that the year before he came over on the trade deadline? No, that was last that year. Was, that was last year? Oh, my God. Holy shit. Um, it's right. getting a little tough from here on. pace here I'm, I'm out alright I got a couple names um nothing the Seahawks love more than bringing back players that were relevant for them and they've done that last week with Alex Collins he is not Alex Collins he is not on the list oh man uh, there is a former Steeler on the list though Phil yes it's so Rashard Mendenhall that's Rashard Mendenhall right that's who it was Arizona in 2013 um, there is a player playing in tonight's game that is on this list. Uh, he is none other than the Seawolves' starting quarterback, Mr. Russell Wilson. Oh, the Seahawks reason for every question. In 2017, we'll go down the Seahawks list here. 2016 was Christine Michael. <laughs> yep. Uh, if you remember that guy. And then another guy that played a significant role. 2015, Thomas Rawls. Oh, yeah. Was the leader. So that rounds out the Seahawks. Uh, 2017 Cardinals, Mr. Adrian Peterson. Uh-huh. Still trucking. Um, 2009 and 2011, Pride of Ohio State, Mr. Beanie Wells. Wow. Arizona. And then tough, one of the toughest ones other than Howling. Um, 2010 Cardinals was Tim Hightower. Oh, that, that's a tough, tough pull. That's fun. Yeah. All right. Um, I don't want to spend a lot of time on the Taysom Hill thing. I don't think that's worth really talking about. I think the people that wanted to talk about it have talked to me about it. And um, <clears throat> thanks to Spears for doing a favor for the league. Um, so let's get right into the Week 11 matchups. I don't think there was a ton of relevant action on the waiver wire this week. And we have only 44 minutes to get through these games. So we'll start off with the ice cream versus the franchise in week 11. 
We'll start off with Team Ice Cream and his goon squad. Uh, Amari Cooper. <laughs> Amari Cooper or Devontae Parker this week. Who would you start um, for Team Ice Cream? Currently, I believe he has Parker in the lineup. This is Parker versus who? Amari Cooper. I think Cooper has the higher ceiling and the higher floor in this one. Uh, going up against that Minnesota pass defense that we saw Nick Foles carve up on Monday night. Um, I think Amari Cooper has a decent game with Andy Dalton returning back for the Cowboys. Um, Rex Burkhead for for the franchise of back-to-back double-digit weeks. Looks to be the goal line back in New England, which is always a good thing. Uh, does he continue with a double-digit effort against the Houston Texans? Well, he better if the franchise want to keep their slim playoff hopes alive. Um, just so tough to depend on uh, New England backfield. Um, I'm going to say no, he, he's short of double digits. I'm, I'm also going to say no, he... I think he's just short of double digits. I think I agree with you guys. I think this is a game where we see Damian Harris really break out. Um, He's been really good the last couple weeks, but like I said, they've been going to Burkhead inside the 10. I think we could see Harris score this week and uh, really be one of the top plays in DFS uh, this week. Who wins ice cream versus franchise? Uh, right now, it looks like Ice Cream is a six-point favorite on the ESPN app. Yeah. Um, give me Ice Cream. I think, they, I think they have a better roster right now. Um, clearly, like, Kamar to go nuts against Atlanta, like he usually does. And I think that's going to be enough to get it done right there. I like a lot of the matchups here. And I think Ice Cream gets it done. Uh... I think that Saints-Falcons game has more trouble in it than you think. Um, I, I kind of like the Falcons outright. I'm not, not ready to say that. But I like this roster, uh, and I, I like the rest of these matchups. Give me the ice cream, and it's close. I look for Lamar to have a good game this week. It's been a little while. Tennessee's defense is suspect, and they really need to get going. Um, if Lamar has a good game, I think you could maybe see that soldier, Marquise Brown, have a good game, but I doubt it. Uh, I like Hines this week, like Thielen against Dallas, but I'll still take the ice cream. I think I agree with you, Phil, that that uh, Saints-Falcons game may be 
a little more problematic. I'm not necessarily sold on James Winston, but I think that Kamara gets a ton of work um, in this game. And I think, like Shane said, that's enough with the combination of Boyd and Jefferson. Um, so, And I think Cam Newton probably has a decent game against Houston as well. So I'll take the ice cream in the upset. Next game, Steel Curtain versus Abusement Park. This one uh, projected Eddie 29-point favorites. We'll start off with the Steel Curtain. You mentioned that you saw Michael Thomas on a milk carton. Is this the week that Eddie gets Michael Thomas back? Yeah, I think it is. Um, I'm not as scared as you guys. I think this is this is a little bit of a shootout game here. And I think Thomas gets back on track this week. I would expect him to get in the end zone. And I'm not saying it's going to be one of those Michael Thomas 12 catches games, but I wouldn't be shocked at all to see 6-7 for somewhere close to 80 to 100, somewhere in that range, and a score. Have the Saints announced the starter yet? Is it going to be Winston? Do, do we know for sure? Uh, I don't know. I, I would. I think we're all just guessing it's going to be Winston. Yeah. I mean, e- either way, I think, you know, this is really the week that it has to be. Um, and if not now, then in two weeks they get the Falcons again. But I I think he comes back this week. But if he doesn't, I, I, I'd be severely panicking because I don't, I don't necessarily understand what's, what's happening there with him. And what's going on? Uh, yeah, it's it's concerning. Um, I'm a little nervous about just Winston and Michael Thomas being a combination because I just don't feel like that's that's the game Michael Thomas plays. I mean, I think it's been well documented that he ate up the five to ten yard routes that Drew Brees is only capable of throwing at this point in his career. Um, unless Winston got his eyesight fixed, I think he just likes to chuck it deep. So I don't know if that's necessarily what we're going to see. I, I'm really all eyes on the Saints this week to see what they look like with this uh, quarterback setup. I think it's an okay game for Thomas just based on the matchup, but I I struggle to think when we're going to see the Michael Thomas that we all thought uh, he was coming into this year. Question for Abusement Park. Will Michael Pittman finish the year strong and vault his name into breakout candidates for 2021? He's had a couple decent games here. Uh, Good-sized good receiver. Looks to have a lot of physical tools. Um, and I think he's probably the top target in that Colts offense right now. Yeah, starting to heat up a little bit. Looks like he's healthy now. Um a lot of big talk about Pittman coming into the year. Um, I expect him to play pretty well down the stretch. Got some good matchups, not particularly this week. Green Bay secondary is not too bad, but Tennessee, Houston, Las Vegas, Houston. I mean, coming up after that, some good chances for this guy to shine a little bit. Um, definite breakout candidate for for twenty twenty one. Big size, just looks looks like he's, he can play the part. Um, so yeah, but excited to see what he does going forward uh, in the next couple of years. Um, yeah, he, he had a good game last week. Uh, he showed some promise. Um, 
I'm not sure if we're ready to put him in that top target in the Colts offense category yet until we see a little bit more. And I don't, even if he strings a, a few good weeks together, I don't know if we're necessarily going to be considering him as a breakout candidate for next year. Big question, I think, for next year for Pittman is who's going to be throwing the ball to him. Yep. I was just going to say that. Yeah. Who's going to be his quarterback in the next two, three, four years? I can't imagine oh, they're going to go back to Phil Rivers um, next year, even though it seems to be working so far. They're 6-3, and three, but that's more based on uh, their defense, I think, more so than the play of Rivers. I still think this team needs to add a couple... Uh, weapons to see if they ever get Paris Campbell healthy and if maybe T.Y. Hilton can find the fountain of youth. I think Pittman will be a name people are talking about as a sexy pick uh, for next year, but it's not necessarily one that I'll be on if the situation remains the same. I don't really want any pieces of that passing offense right now just because I don't trust the quarterback. Who do you guys have winning? Curtain versus Park. I think this is a pretty easy one. I'll start off by just taking the curtain. Yeah, this one's Curtain. Um, not particularly close. Curtain. Big. The one thing that could make this game close is uh, Clyde Edwards Elaire missed practice today with an illness. Um, so that could make. It's interesting if Lev Bell were to get a full workload for the park. Um, all right, next game, Mad Dogs versus Take Your Ball and Go Home. Right now, the Mad Dogs are projected uh, to win 110-80, to 30-point favorites. He's got DeAndre Hopkins, who only has one catch for seven yards so far tonight. Question for the Mad Dogs. T. Higgins has had double-digit points in six of his last seven games. Uh, he's been really underrated and really, really good this year. Give me a stat prediction for him against Washington this week. Mm. He was also out today at practice. I saw got a lot of investment in T. Higgins in our other league. Um I'm going to temper my expectations a little bit, but this guy's been great. Give me five for 70. No score. Give me five for 75, which is what I wanted to say, and a score. Um, I'll say six for 85, no score. He's been uh, He's been really good. That was a great find for you in that other league. Um, Shane and next year is going to be really interesting to follow that Bengals passing game Spears and I had a conversation about already because he thinks Boyd's a a great keeper for next year I said to him I think Higgins is actually going to be the number one next year Um, Boyd's a great complimentary receiver I think if the Bengals want to compete quicker uh, they're going to need Higgins to really step up and be the number one guy question for T-Bag. Do you guys think Salvin Ahmed holds on to the Dolphins' job for the foreseeable future? And do we care? <laughs> Sorry, Shane. It was it was really hard to find a question for your team. No, no, yeah. I, I'm hoping. I mean, after last week, I'm like, man, 
might have stepped into a, a gold mine here. Um, <laughs> guy, guy steps in and gets 21 carries right off the bat. I mean, 85 yards doesn't do a whole lot as far as big-time production, but they're going to give him 21 carries. He looked decent. Um, I don't see anyone really competing with him in Miami at the moment. So, I mean, Breed is hurt. Howard is what he is. I mean, Patrick Laird, I mean, who's going to take the job from him? So to answer your question, I I think he does hang on to the job here for for the foreseeable future for Miami. Yeah, I think he holds on to the job, just process of elimination. Um, But as soon as they get a healthy backfield, and, I mean, if it's looking like it is this year, next year, they'll, they'll, they'll pick somebody up in the draft. He'll be waiver wire fodder. I guess the big question is uh, what happens when Miles Gaskin comes back. Uh, I don't see Brita taking the job. I don't see oh Howard got cut, and Patrick Laird stinks. So um, you may you know this Dolphins team looks like they may be a playoff team. Phil was on that first. I'll give him credit there. I mean, if this guy carries them to a playoff victory, you know they may have something here. I don't know. It's it's a good situation for you to be in, Shane, right now because Dobbins has been less than exciting. Correct. Um, um, I guess the one, the one, I mean, thing that I'm holding on to is, as far as hope is, I believe it was Kyle Shanahan's the guy that had belief in him. They're the ones that drafted him, correct? Or yes, the Niners. He was with the Niners. Yes. So I mean, he saw something that he liked as far as in this guy. So I mean, hey, it's a long shot, but hey, we'll see if it pays off here. Kyler Murray's getting his shoulder looked at on the sidelines. That's not exciting. No. Who wins Mad Dogs versus T-Bag? I'll take the Mad Dogs. Yeah, T-Bag just doesn't have the firepower to, to put up with. Uh, this is a good squad for the Mad Dogs, so give me the dogs. Give me the dogs. It's, it's not close. The clock has struck midnight on the T-Baggers. <laughs> uh, Fegley versus Patriots. This is just the standard question for Fegley's team every week. Last time they played the Raiders, Mahomes and Hill had 50.5. Did they best that number this time? Mm. A lot of talk about the revenge game for the Chiefs here this week, about how the Raiders celebrated when they, by taking a victory lap around Arrowhead. Um, 50 and a half. Mahomes and Hill, give me the over. <laughs> I think Mahomes puts up close to 40 himself. Give me the over, and it's not close. Got to take the over because we don't bet unders. So, I agree. Um, big big game for the Chiefs this week. They want to let the Raiders know that they're still around in that division. All right. Uh, for the Patriots, a gentleman by the name of Kalen Bellage has rid himself of the Adam Gase stink when he was on the Dolphins and Jets, and he looks to be a productive football player now. He's projected for 12.8 um, against the Jets. He had 23 touches last week, I believe. My question is, over under 25 touches against the Jets for Mr. Kalen Bellage. I'll go just under. Still a lot of touches. Um, 
but I certainly think he gets the tw- over 20. So looks like a good find here um, for the Patriots. And a little, little revenge game factor going in here. So I think Balazs has a productive week. Give me just under 25 touches, but um, certainly in the double digits here, point production. He's looked really good. Um, I, and I, I've been surprised ever since that game when Justin Jackson went out and Belage came in. Like he's he's looked really good. I don't know if the Tuchels will be at the twenty five number. I'm going to take the the over on it, just because of the nature of this podcast. But he's been he he's been good. Josh Kelly's been really bad. Uh, I look for him to continue. Yeah, I, I mean. 25 is a lot, and I say I don't bet unders. I, I feel like I probably should take the under here, but we don't, so I'll take the over with you, Phil. Um, I agree. He has looked good. I liked him a lot coming out when he was a rookie with the Dolphins. I actually um, told Eddie I had him in a bunch of best ball leagues that year, and I thought he had a chance to be the, the Kamara, you know, the rookie running back that has a great season of his draft class uh, that was a late-round pick, and that ended up obviously not being true. But he looks to be the top guy in in uh, L.A. for now, and that's a that's a good thing for Papa Kaz and also for the Chargers. Who wins this one right now? Uh, Patriots projected to win 117-108. to 108. I think this game might be close. getting close um, especially since Kyler hasn't really done anything yet tonight um, long game can put up points in a hurry obviously um, that 4.26 can turn into 34.26 in, in, a, in a half of football for him um, but it does look like he's hurt um, I still I think I'm going to go clan actually I'm going to go clan Mahomes and Hill get it done I'm going to go Patriots, but it's really, really close. I like the Patriots a lot coming into it until I saw Kyler play in the first half. I still like them, but it's extremely close. Yeah, getting the getting the Drake touchdown helps. I think, like you said, I think Bellage is a good game. The uh, Kelsey and Julio, you know, you're going to get what you get from those guys. The big one for Papa Kaz, I think he's going to need a good game from Will Fuller. Uh, and he's been really good this year. I was actually shocked looking at his game logs today. Last week was the first week that Will Fuller played and did not have double digits. Um, so he's been, I think he's the wide receiver 12 right now in the year. That's been a a great pick as he's been healthy this year. Um, if Kenny Galladay plays, I will take Fegley. If Kenny Galladay doesn't, I'm, I would switch my pick over to the Patriots because I don't think uh, there's anyone really relevant that Fedley can slot in to replace Galladay. So that's uh, that's where I'll go with my pick in that one. We are flying through this through this thing here. Next game, Seawolves versus Weevils. It's a pretty big game for the Weevils in the Elway, uh, sitting there at 5-5. Five and five. Trying to stay in the playoff race here. Uh, right now, Seawolves projected to win 124 to 107. We'll start off with that Seawolves team. 
I have an interesting take on this one. I think that Phil should start Antonio Brown this week instead of Mike Evans. What do you guys say? special connection for whatever reason those two guys are very friends and I can't put my finger on it but there's a lot of trust there um it's almost like Randy Moss-esque the way he just has blind trust in him um I think in the three games that they've played together I think Brown's had like something like 26 percent of the targets um in those three games which is a, a really crazy number um the Rams have three, two really good cornerbacks and a decent third one. And I wish I knew the way it was going to shake out. I have to imagine that Ramsey's going to spend his time on Mike Evans. Uh, Evans is an easy dude to frustrate. Ramsey's going to enjoy that. Uh, he's got the big body to, to match up with him. And I think Darius Williams, who's the other guy who's making an all-pro run this year, he's been really good for the Rams. I think he'll match up with Godwin. That's that's the skill set, which leaves Troy Hill on Antonio Brown. And Troy Hill's a slot corner, but Antonio Brown's still one of the best receivers in football, skill-wise. Um, I just think the targets are going to be there for A.B. I think Brady's going to have to get the ball out quick against the Rams because their pass rush has been really good. Um and I, I think A.B. gets close to 10 targets this week. And I think Mike Evans uh, gets Ramsey pretty much all game long. And I think that bodes really poorly for Mike Evans. So that's my science behind it. I completely understand why you'd want to still play Evans. Because like you said, in the red zone, he's got that big body. And he can easily put up one catch and it can be a touchdown and it can still be an okay game. But Ramsey's going to be up to the task if that's the way the Rams decide to go on Monday night. I, I for one, I own Mike Evans in my other league, Phil, and I am sitting him um, in, fa- in favor of both Steelers receivers, Deontay and Chase Claypool. Yeah, I think Deontay, he's a must-start. Um, but yeah, you're kind of convincing me on on Brown this week. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know if it'll make that much of a difference, to be honest, in this matchup. Maybe it will. Well, the guy that throws Deontay the football is my question for the Weevils. Does Big Ben finish as a top five quarterback this week? Mm, saw some big playability 
Obviously, the Packers were able to exploit the Jacksonville secondary a little bit um, last week. Uh, I don't foresee a reason why the Steelers won't be able to do the same this week. Top five. Oof, that's high. But... I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no. He's not in the top five this week, but sloppy somewhere in the six to ten range. I'm going to have him in every FanDuel lineup this week. I, I just think Connor hasn't been it done. Um, they might try and reestablish the run, but if it doesn't, if it's not there at the beginning, they're going to be thrown in all game. And they have so many weapons in that offense that I, I, I think Big Ben is a top three play this week. I, I'm with you, Phil, and I think the big thing is that James Conner's just not playing good football right now. That's that's the big difference, and you know, you look at Juju, and you look at Deontay, and you look at Claypool, tell me which one of those guys you'd sit. You have to play all three of them, I think, and if you have to play all three receivers, that means that the quarterback should have a good game. So, Did you, did you just see the drop of DK Metcalf in the end zone? I was going to hit him directly in the face mask. <clears throat> I saw the pass interference. I guess I'm going to see the drop right now. <laughs> this, is, uh, this, this is rich. Brutal for the over in my fantasy team. <sighs> <laughs> he literally threw a fastball right in his face mask. Lockett was probably open too. <laughs> um, bonus question for Big Ben. Courtesy of Eddie Mitchum from the Steel Curtain. I He mentioned it to me last week and I kind of laughed it off because I didn't really think there was a reason to talk about it but I thought a little bit more about it this week should Big Ben be in the MVP discussion you know we started hearing a lot of Russell Wilson talk at the start of the year and then we kind of shifted over uh, to Kyler well Kyler's getting a lot of buzz late here but it's been basically everyone's saying Mahomes and Rodgers right now no one's mentioning uh, the quarterback on the 9-0 football team that has 22 touchdowns and four picks and 2,200 yards right now. Uh, I think this dude does need to be in the conversation, and I'm not sure why no one's brought it up yet. Yeah, I mean, if you take away the Tennessee game in Week 7, um, he has one interception on the year. <laughs> so, been pretty impressive. Um, has a bunch of toys, a bunch of weapons to work with, and he's been playing great football. And the big thing is he's, he's been healthy. He stayed healthy, which we haven't seen him really put together a full season of health-wise. So, yeah, he should, he should be right there. Um, not sexy like Wilson and Murray, so that's why he's not going to garner those those talks as much. Um, obviously, the rushing yards are not going to be there for him. Um but he certainly should be there leading the team at 9-0 or 10-0, whatever they are. Um, yeah, he should certainly be sneaking into that conversation. Yeah, it's a really good point. Uh, and what a lot of people aren't talking about is their, their schedule is so easy down the stretch. It, it, it's just filled with Jaguars, Browns, Bengals. Down the stretch or all season so far, man? Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm saying rest of the year. Yeah. You look, you look at it, it, it it's a cake schedule. Um, and the other argument in his favor is you saw what the Steelers were without him. 
Um, they were at best an eight and eight football team. Like that, that was their ceiling last year. When he goes down, and then he comes back, and they're they're undefeated. I, I don't know why he's not getting some of the same accolades that these other quarterbacks are. He doesn't throw no look passes. He doesn't tuck it and run all the time. He's not really short, so he's not. <laughs> he, he doesn't line up with a lot of the sexy twenty twenty narratives. But he's having a really good year, and if they go undefeated, he has to get it. Yeah. Well, that was that was my comment to Eddie. I said, yeah, if they go sixteen and zero, yeah, then he'll win the MVP. But it, I think that's what he has to do to win. And I feel bad I said that because I don't think that's entirely true. I think they could go fourteen and two, and he would still win. And Eddie's comment to me was basically what you said, Phil. He said, I, "Then I don't. I'm not sure what most valuable player actually stands for because I saw this team last year." And the only thing that's different is him. Um, and I kind of responded tongue-in-cheek. I said, well, the MVP award means it's the best quarterback in football award for that year. Because I think that's what it's become. Um, I think Mahomes is... Like, if Mahomes, if the Chiefs go 14-2 and two and the Steelers go 15-1, and one, like... I think it would be hard to not give it to Mahomes. I don't know. The dude's got one pick this year. Yeah, I, I mean, I think the the one big difference this year from last year is also Claypool. Yeah. Um, and not necessarily what his production is, but he's he's had a really good rookie year. But on paper, you don't see it as being earth shattering. But what he's been able to threaten with these defenses and just his height and athletic ability, he's opened up a lot of lanes for Deontay and, and Juju that weren't open last year. So I. Yeah, year over year, that's the only big other change that the Steelers have had. But yeah, I, I agree. If the Chiefs are right there with them. They're going to give it to Mahomes. He's way more friendly with the media. People like him a lot more. He does the no look passes. That's pretty cool, uh, and he'll get it. All right, who wins? Seawolves versus Weevils. I'm not gonna pick a team that's starting a backup running back in their flex spot on Thursday night. So, <laughs> give me the Wolves. Yeah, give me the Wolves. If uh, if Ridley doesn't go, uh, I'm going to be a little more worried about it, but if Ridley plays, I, I, I love my team this week. If Ridley doesn't go, you still can pick Chark, Brown, or DJ Moore. I mean, those are still three really good options. We saw DJ Moore have the big game last week. Um, I know that makes you very happy. I'll take the Wolves. Yeah. You're right. I mean, my team's really deep, um, but I feel like between Sharp, Brown, John Brown, DJ Moore, those are all pretty much the <laughs> same player to slot in, right? Ridley is really the X factor for my team when one gets it over the top. All right, game of the week. It's the Denver Desert Dogs against the Flock. Big game in the Favre division. The Favre division really tightened up last week. Uh, The Flock, a game ahead of me, and a team that I'm going to have to beat to get into the playoffs. So I think this is an important game to highlight in terms of the playoff landscape. We'll start off with the Desert Dogs. My backup running back combination of Gio Bernard and Mike Davis. Over under 25 points this week for those two guys. 
25 points for Bernard and Davis. Yes. Um, I guess this is... Has McCaffrey been ruled out yet? Yes. And Mixon's likely not to play. Uh, give me over. I think uh, Davis has a chance to get to close to 20 by himself. So I got to figure that Bernard is going to be able to put up somewhere between 8 to 10 points. So, yeah, give me over. I think it's, I think it's closer to 30 to 35. I, I, I agree with, with what Shane said in Davis. I've got Davis in my in my rankings and projections is getting somewhere around that 16-point mark. But we can't understate what Bernard is going to be facing in that in that Washington front seven. <laughs> <laughs> I think he gets swallowed up whole. Redskins roll. Give me the under. Redskins outright. Uh, I think Shane might be right. I think it's probably 30 might have been a better line. I think it probably falls between that 25 to 30 range. Davis has a great matchup, but I'm concerned that the dude's got some tired legs from how much he's been used and never really been used like this before in his career. So I'm a little nervous about that one. Um, yeah, they brought in someone Someone new was getting some touches. Who was it last week that uh, got a few touches? To... Davis had a finger injury for a couple uh uh, yeah, it was like Rodney Smith Rodney, or Yeah, Rodney Smith got some touches. Um, but if you can't do it against Detroit, you probably can't do it at all. I'd like to see a little better better second half here from Christian Kirk. That would make me feel a little better about this matchup. Uh, last time Jason and I played, Brandon Cooks went completely bonkers against me. Uh, he had... Eight for 161 and a touchdown. <laughs> so I'm asking you guys to let me know what Brandon Cooks is going to put up against me this week against the New England Patriots. Revenge game. That's every team in the league for Brandon Cooks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's got a lot of revenge games. Um, it's not going to be eight for 161 and a score, so you can... You can... Go to go to sleep tonight feeling good about that. It's going to be closer to three for thirty four and no score. Oh God! So, why would you do that? Um, yeah, a little, little better secondary that he's going to play this week than he did against uh, Jacksonville Week Five. So it's uh, it's it's going to be a down week for Cooks. Is he? Uh, is Cooks returning punts for the for the Texans? I don't think so. All right, well, if that changes, my prediction is he's going to run one back <laughs> and catch one <laughs> in his revenge game against the Pats. No, I, I, I do think the Patriots will be keyed in on, on stopping Fuller, which is going to open up some stuff for Cooks. He's not going to do what he did, but I, I think he has a solid game. Um, I think it's like more in that five for sixty range for Cooks. I think that's probably where it falls into play. We'll see. He's a scary dude to play against just because he can put up uh, really big weeks, just like Philip Fuller was in the past. Um, has Lock has Lockett ever caught one and run one back? Like even 
Do we know that? No. He, okay. I don't, no, I don't he, think he, it's he, ever happened. Okay. He, it's been your prediction for years, but yeah. it hasn't happened. Okay. I think we certainly would have would have highlighted that on the pod if, <laughs> if that took place. All right, who wins Flock versus Denver Desert Dogs? Yeah, huge one for the dogs here this week. Um, they all are, but this one particularly with the, how close the standings are. Um, should be a really good one. Two good lineups. I think I will take the Desert Dogs. No reason not to. Give me the dogs, and, and the reason is Metcalf's got to get that stupid fucking visor off his face so he can actually see a pass when it comes in. That, that, that's that's going to come back to haunt this team. That was just terrible. Do we know if, <laughs> if Metcalf's concussed from that play? <laughs> he may be. He is. He'll come back in. <laughs> Yeah, sure. He's got yeah. the, he's got those low baselines. Um, <laughs> I'll take the dogs. I I've had two really lucky wins the last two weeks, and I feel like the tide's starting to turn. So I will. Uh, I'll take the dogs to to keep, continue to make this thing interesting in the S O F F L. All right, we got a couple minutes left. Anything we missed, or you guys wanted to bring up uh, from? the podcast tonight I mean as we stand here we have basically what three teams that are kind of two teams that are officially out of it um, and Begley's team four and six kind of on life support everyone else still technically in I mean obviously my team not looking great but still sitting there at five and five so we still have about nine teams battling for for these six spots um Seawolves looking to wrap up a division this week. Need a win or a, or a steel curtain loss. Um, Mad Dogs did not get it done last week, and now they're they're back in a, in a dog fight with the Patriots in the flock for that number one spot in, uh, in the Farb. So some divisions division races here are up for grabs this week. Yeah, not not much to add on that. Um, dogs have done a, a, a good job of staying relevant despite injuries to, to McCaffrey this year. So I, I, I want to tip my hat to the dog's owner and the move to get Barkley earlier in the year. And, you know, some of, some of these waiver wire pickups that have gone pretty much under the radar, like the Mike Davises of the world, um, you know, hats off to you. Great job. I have been fortunate to pick up guys like Marvin Jones and Christian Kirk and catch them in their hot spells and picking up Davis the week that McCaffrey came back with was very lucky. Um, so yeah, thank you for that. It's been helpful to grab those guys because I'd be in trouble. I think without them, uh, I'm a little nervous about Edwards Elaire this week. I don't know what his status is going to be. That's looming large because I don't have a lot of, uh, a lot of moves to replace him with this week. So we'll see what happens. This has been despite COVID, a really fun year in the in the league, and it's been relatively drama free, which is nice. Uh, I was talking with Micah about that earlier this week, and he he said the same thing. He said it's gone about as well as a season could go in twenty twenty as far as our league. And uh, I think we're gonna wrap this up and settle in for the second half of Hawks Cardinals, and hope that there's some footballs flying around. So, thank you both for joining me tonight. 
Thank you to the league for listening, and we'll be back next week to talk week 12 in the Sons of Fantasy Football League. Thanks, and good luck this week.